Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, this uh, is not a sermon series. We're going to jump back into Daniel uh, next Sunday. But on this Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on a 21-day fast that we're going to be doing together as a church. If you're a visitor here or if you listen to the podcast, I invite you to join us, even if you might be new, we invite you to join us in that fast. I'm going to cover what fasting is and things of that nature in a minute. But I want to talk about why we do it together, because you could fast at any time in the year. You can fast as an individual, but we want to fast corporately. And so there is a distinction between having an individual fast versus a corporate fast. In the Bible, there are these images of when people come together and they fast. Or even in Leviticus, they would come together and they would cease working. And it would be called a solemn assembly. And in this solemn assembly, it would be a ritual of purification and observing a state of holiness as a community. Oftentimes, a solemn assembly would come when a festival would happen or a feast or a particular occasion. What we want to do as a church for 21 days is we want to pray and fast in preparation for your ministry year the year that God is setting you apart for ministry, not just for our church, but for you. And what we believe, the reason why we've called it what we've called it is we believe oftentimes that there are reasons why we don't feel we are equipped enough to go out into the harvest. And if you look at, you know, here in Park Slope, this is, if I was a dog, I'd like to live in Park Slope, amen? I mean, this is, you can... You are well-fed, well-bred. Come on, somebody. I mean, so, the, but, but you, you know, the, everything you see around here, you see all these dogs and you see these leashes that they have on them. And what they're saying is, I don't want this animal to go where it would naturally go. I don't want it to just run off and do what it would naturally do. So they keep them on a leash. I haven't seen children on a leash, amen? I'm not, I'm not, and if that's you, praise God for where you're at in your parenting stage, Amen. But the whole concept of a leash is to keep you bound so that you would not go where you would naturally go. And we do that with kids potentially, but we do that with animals. We should not do that in our spiritual lives where we feel leashed. We should feel unleashed that we are going exactly where God wants us to go. And we fundamentally believe based upon Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, that there is a particular work that God has called me to do. I have not been to seminary. I haven't been in ministry years. I may have been saved only for a year, but if God saved you, he wants to use you. Amen. And so we do this together because we are together saying we want to be unleashed into ministry. We believe that's for us all. And we believe that God has placed you in a strategic location to do ministry. So what is preparation then? Preparation, first and foremost, is to be holy, but to be holy together. So you see, there's a difference. When you consider holiness vertically unto God, you begin to think about your time in the word. You begin to think about prayer. You begin to think about how you're honoring God. 
But since we're doing this together as a community, you must not only think how you were regarding your God, you must think how you're regarding your brother and your sister. It is not enough for you to be in a pure relationship with God, but you have a sinful relationship with men. And so you must reconsider how you are establishing yourself amongst people, how you are caring for people, and are you a loving person? And this year as you fast, there may be some things you need to pull away from because it is discrediting your witness, but it is also distracting your love for others. Part of this, when you look in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah, these people are fasting. God rebukes them because you have not considered the poor amongst you. And when God rebukes them, he's saying, yes, you want a vertical relationship with me, but you're not thinking about the horizontal, horizontal weak people around you. Husbands, if you fast for a deeper love of God, but you are not loving your wife, God will not bless you. Leaders, bosses, if you fast so that you can see more opportunity, but you don't care for your work as well, God will not fully bless you. But I say this also not just from the position of those who lead, but I also say for those who submit and those who follow. If you are a worker, you should be fasting and making sure I'm one of the best workers on my job. I follow. Because Part of being in a position is honoring. Honoring your leaders. Honoring your parents. And if I might add, honoring your pastors. Amen? Amen. You know, something I never talk about because our church, oftentimes we get people who have church heard and the pastor was a demagogue and so they come here and they're like, I can call you James. Oh my God. And everybody feels cool and it's like, you're wearing jeans. Amazing. And that's cool. That's cool. Because I want you to feel you have access to me. At the same time, we also have to admit I'm not your peer, right? So why is this needed to be said? Because oftentimes, one of the things I came up against a lot last year was there's a difference between concerns and complaints. A concern is something we work through together. But a complaint stays in the community and eventually causes division. In the Bible, so there are some of you, so, so some, some people right here are not like, who are you talking about? Listen, <laughs> I understand, I understand. If we've had a conversation, I'm not talking about you, okay? But you know who I'm talking about? People. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's who I always hear about. Pastor James, you know, I want to talk to you. You know, well, who is it? Well, it's, it's people, but they don't I, don't, I can't, I can't say their name. You know what I'm saying? I want to protect their name. So it's just people. And people got a lot to say. I can't find people. I, I just don't know who people are. So this is for people. <laughs> the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, let the elders who rule among you, who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who, keyword, labor in preaching and teaching. This fast should not be an indication you just want to have great things happen in your life. You want great things to happen in your church. And it is a sign that you are following the leadership of the church. 
It is an indication you are following the leadership of the church. And there will be times in a church where there'll just be things you want, but you won't see. And if you have a concern, we can talk about it. But if you have a complaint and you keep complaining, you are actually causing division in the body of Christ. And you're causing more problems than help. And you might love the church, but if you love the church, but you don't love and follow the pastors, you are divisive. So that's what happens. People go, man, this is my church but am I your pastor? There's a difference. Um, but I have a word for people, amen? Because I love you. I don't know who you are. I can't find you, but I love you, amen? I have a word for you. I used to work at Carville Ice Cream. And uh, I was working there in the summer one time. And <laughs> next to Carvel was ShopRite. Anybody remember ShopRite, amen? ShopRite, it was next to ShopRite. And so this woman came out of ShopRite with her cart and she tried to come into Carvel with her cart. So I'm there at the register getting ice cream and giving people their little sandwiches and all that and I'm doing the thing. And all of a sudden I hear, bang, bang, bang. And I'm doing this and I'm looking out and I'm like, what is happening? Bang, bang, and I, you know, it's like, Deal with all the people. And I go over there and say, ma'am, what are you doing? She said, I want to get my shopping cart in here, but I can't. And I was like, well, it's because your shopping cart's for ShopRite. This is Carvel. She was like, well, what do I do? I was like, what you do is you take you and your shopping cart and go to ShopRite. Get what you want. And then once you let go of your shopping cart, you can come in here. But you and your shopping cart aren't going to make it up in here. You understand? And part of the problem in ministry is that here we are trying to serve people. And here are people like, bang, I want more of this. Bang, I want more of that. And the people were, you're distracting the people we're trying to serve. And the problem is your shopping cart doesn't fit in this church. But it probably fits in another church. So I want to invite you into another vision, amen? <laughs> this is a, I'm not rejecting you. I just want to give you an invitation. I don't know who you are. Who am I talking to? I don't know. I want to give you an invitation. So you talk to these people. I don't talk to these people. So I want to equip you to talk to these people, amen? So here's what you say. When people say what people say, here's what you say, whoever people are. Um, I want you to stay but it seems like you keep complaining and it, you never want to like deal with it. So I think you ought to consider changing like who you are or changing churches because you keep causing division. And the word is stay or go or in a better way, transformation or transportation, huh? <laughs> Huh? It's very, it's very memorable. It's, that's for people. I don't know who people are. Transformation or transportation. Stay and change or get what you want and your shopping cart somewhere else. Amen? That's just how we're starting off the year. Amen? <laughs> Be encouraged. Now, I'm, I'm joking, but y'all know I'm not. Amen? I'm telling you, help these people. Help them. Help them. And please, 
If you're going to come to me and the person wants to be anonymous, that means they don't want to deal with it. So if they're, if they're trying to keep anonymity and complaints, just call it divisive, as opposed to coming to me and trying to play cover for them, because that only causes fatigue. Remember, honor means that God has called him. I didn't do an interview for this. I would love to be doing something different. I'll coach football players or something else. And I go home and I just chill with friends like y'all do. But y'all like, I'm pastor you and y'all my friends and all that and all that. All right, praise God. Why is this important? Because you do not understand the church if you do not understand that the church is intended to have an offensive posture. The Bible says in Matthew 16, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's the first time the word church, ecclesia, is being used in the Bible. And it says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What that indicates to us then, therefore, is that the church, think about what has gates. It doesn't say there's gates around the church protecting the church. It says there's gates around hell protecting the church from hell. Meaning that the people of God are always bashing the gates and trying to rescue people from eternal separation from God. The first time the word church is mentioned, it is saying it's in an offensive posture against a hell that wants to protect itself from God's people. And until you see that, then our purpose statement will never make sense. When we say we want to reach people where they are and help them grow, it is saying we want to be offensive. It means that we want to be on our jobs and with our friends and around our neighbors, and we want to be able to declare and proclaim the word of God so that they would be transformed and experience this God that you love so much. We are on offense. We're not trying to defend God. God's okay. He doesn't need PR. He's doing okay. He's going to be all right. He's going to make it through all the memes and the gifts you see. He's going to make it. God is all right. But he's called for some reason. God has designed ministry by using broken people to declare a holy God. I, if I was God, I wouldn't do that. I would do stuff in the sky. I'd be like, y'all don't do it. I got it. Y'all going to mess it up. But God uses people. And so I believe that we must have this year, in order to be all that we can be, packing out the church cannot be our goal. I mean, essentially we've done that at the four o'clock, but I'm just saying that's never been the goal. If that's the goal, if getting people to come to a space and a time is the goal, then you'll say, well, the, you know, Pat, Pope, James, preach that sermon. Maybe make people laugh. Come on, come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Get the worship going. You see, if it's all about us entertaining people spiritually, then what will eventually happen is you will say ministry is for those on the stage and for those in the crowd we are to watch and not actually participate in what God has called you to do. So the reality is that there are only two ways you can look at the church. We are either a cruise ship or a battleship. You see, if we are a cruise ship, if we are a cruise ship, then when you come on the cruise, you don't want to wait in line. You want to make sure you get what you get. And, you know, do, do, is there enough religious activity for my kids? 
That's a cruise ship mentality. But a battleship says, I'm here to be equipped. And if you almost look like an aircraft carrier where we're just filling your tank so that you can go back out to war. A battleship mentality says, I am here to get part of what I'm supposed to do. The full circumference of what God has called me to do is out there and to serve and to care and to love God. And so what we want to do is we want, you to, we want to unleash you into that ministry, but we want to break the yoke of any kind of mentality that would say that church is meant to be protected. No, we are meant to be unleashed out into the world. And the church is us. It is not 4 p.m. It is not a website. It is not an Instagram handle. Church is us. It is not children's ministry. It is not James. It is not Josh. It's not Rasul, it's not Mark. Church is us. And until you see the usness of the church, you will see positionalness in the church. Like, oh, well, I guess they'll do it. We are on the battleship. And we are offensive together. And whether you are a stay-at-home mother, if you were a politician, or if you're in full-time ministry, we are all on the battlefield together. God is, this year, wanting you to experience breakthrough. Breakthrough. Oftentimes, when that terminology is used, it is used only of you as an individual. As if, oh man, I'll finally get that job I want. And I hope you do experience financial breakthrough. I hope you do experience all different types of breakthrough. But understand that the phrasing breakthrough is a military concept. When one army is able to weaken its enemy's forces to the point of collapse, a breakthrough occurs, allowing that army to invade enemy territory. You've broken through their lines. But in a war, listen, in a war, breakthrough only really matters if it's at a strategic location. You got to think about where you want to go. And the evidence of that a location is strategic almost is always revealed by the amount of enemy forces amassed in one place. An enemy, therefore, is led by skilled generals who fiercely and ferociously protect what it highly prizes. This means that an invading army can expect his attempt to achieve a breakthrough to be met by Fierce enemy opposition. Increasingly intense fighting always precedes strategic breakthroughs. Strategic ground, therefore, is not yielded easily. The enemy is protecting a certain part of you and a certain part of this city. And the enemy, what does he want to do to defeat you? He wants to discourage you. He wants to distract you. He wants you to depress you. And he wants to divide us. You see? That's what he wants to do. Now ask yourself this question. As you are fasting, think about you and think about the church just for a second. If you were your enemy, how would you beat you? Just think for a second. If you were your own enemy, because the Bible says the enemy prowls around and watches, seeks, and he's looking for 
the most strategic place he can to win. If you were your own enemy, how would you beat you? Then, as you experience the church, if you were an enemy of this church, where would you begin to attack? You see, and so this is why when I say unity is something that we must consider, it's something that we must fight for. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. And when we are fasting, we are acknowledging, God, look at me. I want to get your attention and your favor, and I want to see the supernatural work of God in my life so that also, not decide to experience you, but I want to be on mission for you because I want to break the enemy's stronghold in a particular location. I want to see lives change. I want to see my life change. Amen. But I want to see lives change. I want to see yokes broken. Yes, in my life, but also yokes broken in my neighborhood. Amen. You see, ministry should flow to you and through you. It is not just enough to get your blessing, but forsake the community God has placed you in and forsake the people that he has you around. So that's what you're saying, God. I want you now. I want to talk just a second about fasting in and of itself. Fasting used all throughout the Bible and seen all throughout the Bible. There are many things that you can fast from. Fasting, moreover, is essentially saying, I'm going to stop a certain thing. Whether it is food, whether it is social media, whether it is time with certain people. But oftentimes, there's a great conversation of what I'm fasting from, but not what I'm praying for. And so we lose, so people feel accomplished because for 21 days you didn't do something. How powerful is it if you, with that same time, you did do something? The whole point there of fasting is to give you more time for prayer. Amen? Amen. That's the point. That's the point. The point isn't to do a juice fast so you look cute. (laughs) And yes, I'm glad your skin is popping. That's not the point. So it is more time. And when we are united, listen, when we are united in prayer, when we are united in fasting, strongholds are broken. Lives are changed when we are united in prayer and united in fasting. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. Jehoshaphat, who's that? Second Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire to the Lord and he proclaimed a fast as he was about to be attacked along with Judah. Daniel fasted, and and no uh, amazing thing is that we're actually going to be preaching on Daniel fasting, and we're going to continue on in our Daniel series coming up here. Daniel fasted to receive guidance from God. Nehemiah fasted before a major building project in Nehemiah 1. And then Jesus fasted for 40 days before he was tempted. So fasting is a, a spiritual preparation. Now let me just make a note. Fasting is not earning an answered prayer. 
Because if you believe that, then you think your prayers are spiritual blackmail. That in some way you got, you're going to make God do it. Fasting does not mean your prayer will be provided, but it means you will be prepared for whatever God does. Because ultimately you want to be closer to God, more prepared to be in relationship with God. As I mentioned, we are not doing a corporate type of fast. I encourage you to consider a Daniel fast, a social media fast, a juice fast. I encourage you to do all those types of fasts. I encourage you to do fasting in community. That you have other people, you could create a group me, a text thread. I, I encourage you to do it in community. But I, I want you to think strategically of things to be praying for. I am going to be praying for my own personal holiness, but I'm also going to be praying for my children. I believe that the enemy wants to strategically take my kids out. I believe the enemy strategically wants to distract my kids from God. So for these 21 days, our entire family is doing an entire media fast where there's no TV, no tablets. Pray for us! (laughs) My God. I was that parent, like, we're not doing tablets. We're not doing it. By the time of two, I was like, take it and be quiet. So bless us, God. (laughs) But listen, so that means I want you to think and pray strategically, amen? Amen. But what if we all prayed one prayer? I mean, pray other prayers, but I want us to pray one prayer. With our last moments here, this is the prayer I want us to pray. In Matthew chapter 10, verse one, it reads this way, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus is giving authority to disciples and he is unleashing them into ministry. They had been watching Jesus, watching Jesus, watching Jesus, then he gave them authority to do ministry. And one of the key phrases it says there is that he gave them authority over clean spirits. And it says over these unclean spirits, these would be demons. It says he gave them authority to cast them out. The word cast them out is the word ekbalo. Would you say that with me? Ekbalo. Say that one more time. Ekbalo. Ekbalo. That is to force out, to drive out. If you were to look in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, there are two demon-possessed men who are amongst the tombs, and they are men that no one can bind. The men were so powerful that no one would even walk by where they were. But the minute Jesus steps onto the scene, these demons begin to tremble, and they say, why are you here to torment us? And they say, hey, force us to go into the pigs. What we learn from Matthew chapter 8 is that no matter all the efforts of men, when it came to the unseen spiritual realm, the minute that Jesus stepped onto the scene, demons couldn't stick around. So it wasn't about human effort. It was about the passion and the power of Jesus and his presence in a moment. Once his presence happened, everything changed. 
He ekbalowed the demons. Well, Jesus has, in the middle of that, in Matthew 9, Jesus has been in itinerant ministry. He's been going around. And it says in verse 35 of Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. If you look here, he is teaching, he is proclaiming, and he's healing. The word in the Greek there for teaching is more like a discussion. He's going back and forth. He's having a conversation. He's hearing their thought. He's answering questions. But the word proclaiming is the word caruso. It means to herald out. He's preaching. He's flinging out the word of God so that they might understand. And then Jesus is healing. He's accessible. He's allowing people to touch him and he's touching them. Jesus is not some diva where he needs a platform. Jesus is amongst the people. He's not just in the good part of the cities. He's in every city, in every town, in every village. But he also doesn't say that his ministry is just for the unchurched. He says it's for the church too. I want to go into the synagogue and I want to make sure that they are uh, unleashed from the bounds of religiosity. Jesus has no bounds to his ministry. But then it says in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has done all this ministry and he looks out and he sees more ministry. He says, man, there's more. And when he looks at people, he sees their problems, but he says, ultimately, when, uh, when sheep have, don't have a shepherd, they're directionless. When sheep don't have a shepherd, they're toxic. When sheep don't have a shepherd, they're unfriendly and they're unwelcoming and they're hurt. And he says, the ultimate problem is not finances. The ultimate problem isn't anything else. It is, they need a shepherd. They need someone to care for them spiritually. And he has compassion for them. And the word compassion means to be moved to the pity. It doesn't mean he felt bad for them. It was excruciating. It, it means to feel in the bowels. It means to feel deeply. It means that it, it, this, it's when you pound the table and say, it must not be this way. The word compassion has the word passion. It means to feel with and feel for. It means that he's not simply feeling bad for them. He pounds the table and says, it should not be that way. I wonder if there's something you see in your community where you pound the table and you say, it should not be that way. When you pound the table and you moved into action, that turns you into a complainer, into a minister. When you become action-oriented. And action isn't always physical. It's, it always begins spiritually. It always begins with your prayer life when you begin to intercede for a thing. Well, Jesus feels burdened for these people. He says they're harassed. They're helpless. Now, Jesus feels compassion because he's done so much ministry. And certainly, this is my 21st year in ministry, and I, I feel a great deal of compassion for people because of the amount of ministry I've done. But me and Jesus are different. Because at the core of Jesus' ministry is his compassion for people 
that are like sheep without a shepherd. At the core of my compassion is I remember when I was a sheep without a shepherd. I remember when I was directionless. I remember when I would want to talk to somebody. I remember when I felt lonely. I needed somebody to speak into my life. And God rescued me and he changed my life. I wonder if he's done that for you. I wonder if he's transformed your life. Here, he goes on to say in verse 37, I wonder if we could read verse 37 and 38 together on three. One, two, three. Then he said to his disciples, Look what he says here. He says, the harvest is what? Plentiful. There's all, oh, there's tons of ministry to do. He, he's using the imagery of a field. He, and in other words, he says it's white for the harvest. I mean, it's ready. There are people who are ready to be in a relationship with God. The problem isn't a harvest problem. It's a labor problem. That if there was... Unemployment statistics for the church, we'd be highly unemployed. We can't find workers. No, 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 no. There's tons of opportunity. We just can't find people who are willing to do what he did before, where he's willing to teach and preach and heal. And is there anybody that's willing to just sit with people who are hurting and care for somebody and get up outside your own needs and see the needs of other people? And want them to experience the fullness of who God is. He says there's a laborer problem. And yes, we are all still sheep. And we are all still needing a shepherd. But we, if you know Jesus, you have the good shepherd. Your neighbor does not. Oh yes, we're all struggling for a rent. But you have a provider. Your neighbor does not. Oh, we're all suffering from sickness but your neighbor doesn't have the healer you have. What happens when you can endure in this world, but you introduce them to the great physician? Yes, I want what I have for you. That's what ministry is. So, but I get it. Because you are you and I am me. And we are leashed often. Make this year the year that you will be explicitly Christian. I will amen myself on that. <laughs> what, you, you come here because you love God, but you're not willing to tell the world. That means you want to be privately Christian. And I believe that we can see lives change when we are intentionally relational and explicitly Christian. For some of us, we need to baptize our timeline. Amen? Amen. I mean, I'm just saying, if there's anything external about me, I want people to see Jesus before all the great things I do. Before they see, you know, avocado toast or whatever you are into, or new clothes, I want you to meet Jesus before you meet all the great experiences I have. Look what he says. 
But see, we don't want to because we want to live protected. We just want me and the shepherd, me and the shepherd, me, me and the shepherd. And we want to like walk in the sunset with Jesus, just me and the shepherd. You just want to be cared for. You do. And it is part of our human nature to not launch out. But this is church, church. This is the prayer. Amen. Y'all with me? This is the prayer. Say amen. amen. All right. This is the prayer. This is the prayer. This is the prayer. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Do you know what the word send out is? Ekbalo. It's the same word that Jesus used for driving out demons. And in the same way where a demon can't stay when Jesus is on the scene, you can't stay comfortable when Jesus forces you out. And that is the prayer. Ekbalo, force me out, God. Force me into the, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk to nobody. Force me out. Force me out into those conversations. Force me out. Drive me out into my neighbor's door and say, hey, do you want to get dinner? Drive me out. Make me more patient. Change me. Force me out. Because I can't stay the same when you're on the scene. And so this, this entire moment must be spiritual. Pray. We are, my prayer is that we do a 21-day fast at the beginning of our ministry year. You heard how I said that? Every year, I pray that we do a 21-day fast at the beginning of our ministry year. And I plan on preaching the same sermon to the point where you'll be able to repeat it every year. Praise God. One of the things that we want to do together while you are preparing spiritually is we ask that we would all download the Bible app if you haven't already. Download the Bible app, and once you download it, if you look on the screen, you will go to the part that has plans. You would select that. We have made this as simple as possible. Amen? Amen. Once you go to plans, you would look at the search engine. Now, um, if you, are there any more time? Oh, y'all, oh, they're doing it now. Oh, well, do it now then. Amen. Let's slow it down. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was looking at my timer. But, but great. Pull out your Bible app now then. Okay, pull out your Bible app. And once you have it open, say amen. amen. All right. Now go, if you see on the screen that little yellow part where it says plans, click on plans. If you're there, say amen. amen. Okay, now go to the upper right-hand corner. Oh, it doesn't happen. Go to the upper right-hand corner, and there's a little search. Click on the search icon. Amen. Amen. Oh, you're at the <laughs> search. Okay. You're at the search? Okay. After going to search, um, oh, no, no. Should I go find plans first? No, no. Yeah, go to, <laughs> go to find plans. Go to find plans. Okay, we're there. Type in open heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> All my charismatic people are pleased. They're like, open heaven. That finally, finally. Come in. All right. Click on 21 days of fasting prayer, open heaven devotional guide. Now, 
where to start plan. Tuesday is when we start, January 14th. February 4th, we're going to come back together in here. It's a Tuesday, February 4th. We're going to end our fast together. We're going to have food. We're going to have worship. We're going to pray over one another, and we're going to transform this city together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we ask you right now that you would use us, Lord. Force us out, God. We love and we are addicted to comfort. Force us out, God. Force us out, God. Ekbalo. Force us out. The harvest is plentiful. That means the neighbor is ready for a conversation. That means the coworker is more depressed than they look. And they would, they're ready to love God more than you think. Force us out. That means the family member that says they hate God really just wants to know them more. Force us out. The person that makes all the posts and seems like they're having a great life would be excited to be an environment of loving people. Force us out, God. We ask that you would unleash us into Brooklyn, into Queens, Long Island, the Bronx, Staten Island, Westchester, God. Unleash us into this city and use us in ways that we never imagined. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder if you'd stand with me. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.